Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hello. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Darkness, my old friend. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> That's actually what I woke up to this morning, just playing in my head over and over again. I, I was thinking about um, all these bandwagon fans that we now have, all these people that are so hyped on the Browns. Well, to all Thank you bandwagon to all you bandwagons <laughs> fans, welcome to the freaking show. This is this is what you get whenever you're a Browns fan. Um, so, uh, a man who has been a Browns fan for far longer than any of you could even imagine, our grandfather. We like to uh, give him a call every week and hear his thoughts on the game, um, and we know you guys like to hear that too. So here's that. Hello. Hey, Grandpa. It's Matthew. Hello, Matthew. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm healing a little bit. <laughs> what could that be in reference to? <laughs> <laughs> that debacle with the Browns. I, I can't believe that the, that happened. You know, I, I said good, good quarterbacks and good teams are are good a lot of times, and if they're a little bit off, they're a little bit off. But they don't have, but but they don't have a good game one time and have the wheels completely come off on the next game. So I don't know what the problem is. It's got to be, it's got to be with the coaching or something, because uh, there was a, a lot of these guys were uh, out of position. These 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 these, these uh, secondary backs were out of position, and these 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 uh, uh, receivers had a, all the big open field to catch a ball with, and it's it's uh, just a uh, really a debacle to have something like that. It's embarrassing. They weren't, uh, they weren't even, they were so mis, they were just not coordinated, you know? I don't know what the problem is. Have you ever kicked they, someone in the face like Greg Robinson did? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah, I can't say I did. I mean... <laughs> I mean, but that's just a, just another thing that you know that can't happen with with these guys. You were talking about how a quarterback's not good one second and then bad the next. Do you think that Baker's the problem? Well, I don't know. If that offensive line wasn't wasn't really uh, giving him the protection he needed. You know, the last the last game they played, the last game they played, and he played he played about a half. Uh, about a half in the last uh, preseason game, and he was sailing. He was sailing those passes about three, four feet over these guys' receivers' heads. He was hitting them. He was hitting them in the in the feet with them, you know. And you know, some of the people were saying, "Well, well, they didn't have the regulars in there." Well, yeah, hell, I don't care who they had in there. Nobody's going to catch a ball when it's uh, three or four feet over their head. He was having a bad day. Now he started out. Uh, well, it was not his fault because I think the offensive line was was letting him down. He was getting killed, and uh, he has no he has no receivers to throw to. But uh, it's it's uh, I think that part of it is his fault. Maybe he's just not prepared enough. One of the biggest issues here was that we had so many penalties. It was the the highest number of penalties in a Browns game since 1951. Uh, were you at that game in 1951? <laughs> I was even born in 51. 
that just goes to show you, you know, that some of the some of the, uh, uh, the, the uh, people that are in the paper there, they say, well, the, the, the officiating. It's not the officiating. These guys were just out of control. I think they have to grab themselves by the bootstraps and 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 start giving discipline. I don't know. You can't, I don't know what you can do with these young guys. You, you can't you can't punch somebody in the head and kick somebody in the head in the head and and being offsides. Yeah, you can't blame the refs for being offsides or false starts. I mean, arguably holding calls are somewhat subjective, and illegal contact pass interference is somewhat subjective. But at the end of the day, a lot That's of these right. a lot of these are on the Browns. I know. Well, look at him. Randall was just, he, he gave up that 47-yard passing play. Because mm-hmm. he, he, just, he just missed. That, 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 uh, Richardson uh, had, that, uh, he had, a, he had a, 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 a penalty, and he had an offside, had an offside penalty. And I think that... Uh, there's another one. Robinson was uh, he got he got thrown out for for kicking. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Well, you know this stuff. You can't do that. I, you know, I don't know. I have never. I didn't even say against Freddie. Uh, you know, I thought, well, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it. But you know, I don't know if his personal persona uh, uh, gets down and he. And it's to the it's it's to the team because he looks like an unmade bed inside of the on the, on the sideline, you know. <laughs> he, and, what grandpa? He was clean shaven for this game. He shaved his face he clean. I know he shaved. I know he did. But you know, you think that the guy would the guy would dress up and, and maybe try to set an example for these for these guys? You know, I really. I, I really think you know what what they should have is when they have a when they have their practices they should get they should get about two or three officials on the practice field and flag a very damn thing they do wrong so they can so they don't keep doing the wrong things you know and don't keep don't keep uh, uh, have recurring penalties you know they ought to be they ought to be shown right there and then what the hell they're doing and not to do it you know. Um, all right, all Grandpa. Right. Well, we got to go here in a second. Um, but um, how you doing? How's Nancy? Ah, uh, she's doing good. She's doing good. Are you and Nancy still going out dancing on the regular? Uh, no. She's been busting my chops about going out dancing. You know, she said, <laughs> well, we, this is, before we were married, you used to go out dancing with me. I said, yeah, we're married. I don't have to take any place anymore. <laughs> I don't have to. I already got you. Uh, that that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> all right, well, you enjoy that Monday night football game. We love you, Grandpa. Okay, love you guys too. Thanks for calling. All right, okay, see bye-bye. ya. So it sounds to me like Grandpa had his scapegoat, and it was the coaching staff and the unmade bed of Freddie Kitchens. I think that's so funny because he he shaved. I thought he was looking good. Freddie was looking presentable. I mean, Freddie, I think Freddie looks a lot better with the scruff than he does with the with the clean. Shaven. He looks. He really does kind of look messier with the shaved face. Like I, I get it. I've never been more disappointed and sad in my entire life as I was yesterday. We have been looking forward to this game, September eighth. It's been in the back of my head for eight months now. 
Uh, and this is one of the most disappointing things that I've experienced as a Browns fan, but it's home base. This is what we know, and this is what we love about being Browns fans, I suppose. We've got, like, Stockholm Syndrome at this point. Um, what could we possibly say about this game and what happened to us? Do you think that the Titans are that good or we are that bad? Or what, what happened in this game? My, assess, my simple assessment is that um, the Browns gave this game to the Titans. Um, in re-watching it, it was pretty clear that the Browns were a more talented team that just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Well, you, I don't know that it's possible to win with 18 penalties and 182 penalty yards. It's the 182 yards that kills me if you think about how much advantage that is to the other team. Like, literally 182 yards we gave them. Like, to the Titans' advantage. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And... And honestly, that might be Grandpa might be right. Like that might be the coaching staff's fault. I meant to look this up before we started recording, but my impression of the preseason was that we didn't have that many penalties, and it was something I might not have mentioned on the podcast, but had been thinking that it seems like this team is coaching well, and I might have seen it more in special teams. I think there was one. There was one spot. game in the preseason. I don't remember which one it was that we did have a bunch of penalties, but the other three if I recall, were a, a reasonable amount. Like, you're going to get penalties. I actually looked it up. Like, the, the best team in the league averages five. The worst team in the league last year averaged, like, eight penalties a game. And we were at 18. That is absurd. So More than you, twice the average of more the than worst twice, penalized yeah. team. We were numerous standard deviations and, away from, and, <laughs> from the mean in this and situation. I would guess I would guess that the yardage given up was way higher than even that the number of penalties because we had so many personal fouls and oh, yeah. things it was and it was a lot of them were disciplined penalties like it was not good it was not good and somebody's yeah. I mean like, we got to put soap in Devereaux's mouth like <laughs> is is this a result of Freddie not managing the team well and being a first-time head coach, do you think? I don't think so. So a lot of these penalties, it's, it's holding. I'm not willing to write that off, though. And it's personal fouls. Uh, these, these guys have been playing football forever. Like, they know, they know what they are and are not allowed to do. Like, is Miles not going to hit Delaney Walker in the face or John O. Smith or whoever it was? Like, because Freddie told him not to? Like, I'm sure Freddie's told him not to a bunch of times. Yeah. It's easy I've to never say that. seen Miles and, do that. And he he knows. And is, That's is Greg true, Robinson but at the same not going to kick Kenny Vaccaro in the face because he was specifically told not to? Like, but Yeah, that's like, <laughs> you cheated on me after I specifically <laughs> asked you not to? <laughs> it's from the office. <laughs> that's um, great. But, like, but probably Greg Robinson, as all of us across America, had no idea that Greg Robinson was not allowed to make that block on the screen pass. Like mm-hmm. what in the like? Could hey, before you move on, before you move on, you're changing yeah. the subject. I don't agree with you. Do you see the Patriots what do is- things like this? Do you see the Patriots have personal fouls like this? And like, I'm not in trying to like say that we should run a ship like Bill Belichick runs the ship, but I think there is a way to instill a culture in which those things are not an option. And I would say that part of the blame, at least, falls on the head on the coach. But I don't know what Freddie's Freddie's supposed to do. I mean, I think a lot of the 
the reason that you have Deep a cult breath. The reason, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of the reason that you have a culture where people don't commit penalties is is a, a confidence in that we'll get them on the next play. Like I don't have to reach, I don't have to stretch. I feel like these guys were reaching and stretching and so jazzed up and ready to go. And then when it wasn't going the way that it was scripted, but yeah, that's you, on the coach. You, you get nervous. But I don't know what is the coach supposed to do to like manage those expectations. I don't. I mean, it's an everyday like attitude and general like expectation level, and like the the, the team is going to play and is going to beat to the drum of the head coach, and if they're and so playing off what you just said, I agree. They were hyped up and ready to go, and everything we heard from. Freddie Kitchens was how excited he was for this first game. But, like, but they weren't being disciplined, and they weren't mentally ready for when they got punched in the mouth to come back and fight and to make it work. Like They weren't in that frame of mind, and I do think that's coaching. I don't think that it's necessarily going to be the tune for the whole rest of the season, but I definitely am placing a significant amount of the blame on the coaching staff. How many holding penalties did we have? That's a great Great question. That is, I, don't know I mean, is, is it's hard that, to count eighteen that, penalties and count, you know, really distribute all of them. I, I, I mean, I would venture Freddy's, to say half of them were holding penalties. Yeah, so nine, right? Yeah. Is that Freddie's fault, or is that just a player getting beat and not being good enough and panicking in the moment and and grabbing something? Like, I don't, I don't know what he's supposed to do shy of teaching better technique or having better players. Like those things just happen. Yeah. But so is that, and that's up to the players. Is, is the fact in my that, mind is the fact that our tight ends and our offensive linemen were holding all the time. Is that Freddie Kitchens' fault, or is that James Campen's fault, or is it the players' fault, or is it the players' fault? I, like, I would say it's seventy-five percent the players' fault on the holding penalty, sure. But the personal foul penalties are the ones that like really kill you. Oh, I think those are like ninety-five percent the players' fault. Really, a See, personal foul? It is just up to you making a decision in the moment. And nobody in that moment, when yeah, Greg when Robinson you look is at getting pushed moment, over yes, by Kenny Vaccaro, he's not processing, oh, what is the smart thing to do? What am I coached? He's processing, I just got rocked by Kenny Vaccaro. I'm going to kick him in his freaking face. Yeah, but I think, I think the root of that is week after week after week at practice that Freddie's been preaching this doctrine of we are going to be the most physical, we are going to be the most competitive, you are going to make the other person on the other side of the field feel your presence over and over and over again. That lends you to be more frustrated and more angry and more aggressive whenever you're playing the other guy. So whenever the play's over, it's not quite over yet but because the, but you want to get time, that last hit in. And at yes, the same it, time, it's when, absolutely when Chad fault. Thomas got in a fight with with the team, everybody had to run. Like in the in training camp or whenever that was, that might have been minicamp. I don't remember. But like he's he's doing those things. It's not like he's like, oh yeah, no, just WWE style like suplex him take him down i don't care yeah, speaking i of, think it's an unintended consequence i i think that there's a chance that this way we've been practicing this way we've been playing has resulted in this and i think they'll course correct after this because they see how detrimental it is to the outcome of the entire team whenever they act that way i would say that if it is an unintended consequence then we're going to see it the rest of the year because you can't just make that correction in a week i think that you're going to have outliers. You're going to have anomalies. 18 penalties in one game is an anomaly. A lot of them are holding penalties. We got destroyed on the offensive line by Greg Robinson getting ejected, by Kendall Lamb getting hurt. Four which, plays later. W- four plays later, right, which led to a lot of uncertainty. People playing out of position, people playing who aren't used to playing. 
for sure. Which just lends itself to utter chaos. So I would say going into this Jets game, we're not going to have 18 penalties. I don't even think we're going to have. It's going to be 20. <laughs> no. All right. And, it, and it's not going to be because they did something this week. It's going to be because 18 was an outlier. What if we did have like 20 penalties a game, but we still kept, well, we started winning? Wouldn't that be a little bit fun? Let's go. <laughs> I would kind of like that. Oh, and it would man. match. Oh. It would match with what the rest of this team has made its following behind Baker. Don't you think that's Baker's lead that does some of that mentality? Can Baker's we talk about really Baker? The yeah, let's talk about Baker, but he's really the leader of this team. I think he sets the tone just as much as Freddie Kitchens Speaking does. of setting the tone, when I rewatched the game, and I, I caught on to this probably later when I was watching it live, did Baker just wake up on the wrong side of the bed yesterday? Like, he seemed to have, like, no fire. Like, on the sideline... Baker Mayfield just was, like, sitting there like a deer in the headlights constantly. Like, even in the second quarter when we were, like, well in the game. Like, it was kind of understandable when we were down, like, multiple touchdowns. Like, what are you going to do at that point? Like, you're not going to rally the troops. You're not going to be doing anything. But he was just kind of chilling. Like, nothing going on. Didn't have any intensity in his eyes. And it didn't make any sense to me. Like, I've just you, never seen that before. What do you want him to do? Be moving around, be upset. Like you can tell by someone's body language, like how they're reacting to the moment. Like he didn't look focused. He didn't look like he was in the game I mean, at all. To to me, he looked like he was looking at his Microsoft Surface. Like, I'm telling you, whenever I, I'm telling you, he was just sitting there with like a no expression on his face, not talking to anybody. I don't necessarily and like, remember. That just didn't seem like Baker Mayfield to me. I don't necessarily remember him doing that whenever we were still in the game. I remember seeing that towards the end of the game, and that's the last But the image. exact same expression when I rewatched it today was going on in the second quarter. Like, really? I agree with you. When I watched it live, that was true. And in the second quarter, he was just like that. And it didn't make any sense to me, because that's not anything I've ever seen from Baker Mayfield. And his play on the field but he's did not match like what we've seen in so many ways. Like So many of his passes were off. He held onto the ball way too long on at least five or six different plays and it resulted in a safety on one play and like all kinds of negative plays that was part of why we had holding penalties it's because baker mayfield wasn't getting rid of the ball the blocking wasn't miserable in fact i heard a stat that we were top 10 in like number of times to pass on all of our snaps like baker was not decisive if, if there's a concern for me from this game, I really do think it is Baker because what I saw out of Baker is not what I've seen out of Baker all of last year. He, in the pocket, was anxious, he was nervous, he had happy feet, and he wanted to get out of the pocket when oftentimes it was clean. Whenever we were got that safety, he there was no pressure from the inside of the offensive line. It was all from the outside. And in that situation, you have to step up right on the line, butt of your guard in your center if you have to, and get the ball out because there's going to be pressure from the outside. So on, so on that safety, yes, Matthew wants to defend we, Mr. Mayfield. I do. We need I, 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 disagree, <laughs> I disagree wholeheartedly with Michael's characterization. On that safety, it was a play-action pass where the – so he had to turn his back to that defender coming off the edge, Cam Wake. So he wasn't able to see what was going on that whole time because he, he had his back to him. And then he reset. That's a risky play call. 
on the one yard line. For sure. It's also, as I think Jake Burns and other people pointed out on Twitter, it was the same exact play call as the play before, just flipped. So for what that's worth, the defense perhaps had a a clue on what's coming. Well, um, that would surprise me, honestly, if they called the exact same play two times in a row. It looks like it. <laughs> it looks <laughs> like, like there's no way. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think Baker played great. He he did have happy feet. He needs to he needs to not drift in the pocket. He drifts a little bit. He needs to either stand there or leave. Right. Um, I think there are times where he just needs, especially there were times where we were doing max protect, and he would hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball, and then he would try to get out of the pocket, even though he had a reasonable pocket and he'd already had the ball for two and a half, three seconds. He needs to learn to just throw the ball away, live to play another down. He's good enough that if it's first and 10 and we have to go to second and 10, or if it's second and 10 and we have to go to third and 10, that's fine. I'd much rather do that than try to get out of the pocket and take a sack. I don't think well, Baker's the guy who gets in people's faces on the sidelines when, when, they're, no, when they're in the game. I think he's – what is he supposed to do? I'm I, not expecting him to be the person to, like, rally everybody on the sideline, like, personally. I'm expecting to see him caring. And you could see – and he didn't look like he cared. That's like Are that you, was. I, I will I'm, pull. I'm absolutely offended by you insinuating that Baker Mayfield doesn't care about winning. I'm like, just calling it. I'm just telling you what I saw. And like, I don't think that he didn't care, but it certainly looked like he didn't care. But what specifically? Like you saw when when he's was playing and he got called like in the grasp when he got out and he went and he got in the freaking ref's face and that was like late in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Like, dude cares. Like, don't ever come at me with Baker doesn't care. Well, because he's mad because he, I mean, he was, I'm just saying. He's mad because he He didn't play win. well. He didn't have the fire that I normally am expecting to see from him that I've seen every other time. And he made some really terrible decisions, like, over and over again in this game. Like, I, I love him. I'm so glad he's my quarterback, and I expect him to bounce back. In some ways, I'm glad because the dude, all he does is just respond to adversity. He probably, he like, this is probably, like, a good situation <laughs> for the outcome of the whole season. But, like, in this game... It's going to suck when he doesn't he, care and he doesn't respond. He sucked. He sucked in this right, game. So, ahead of, not- ahead of the fourth quarter, like, let's go through these decisions. Because he, he did make a couple bad throws in the first three quarters, but... I don't know that this is a habitual problem, so I'd be I, interested I, to hear. I think, I think through the first three quarters of this game, Baker was pretty good. He was put in ridiculously undesirable situations that are hard to come back from, and yeah, he yeah. was pretty good. He was pretty accurate. I mean, his overall stat line, he was 25 of 38 for 285 yards, a touchdown, and all three of those interceptions came in the fourth quarter. 25 of 38 is not ideal, it's not the best, but through the first three quarters, three of those interceptions were on the fourth quarter. He had so many incompletions. And we were in this game up until late in the third quarter when that Derrick Henry screen pass out. Okay, Tight my biggest drops. gripe with him in the first three quarters, if you want to throw out the fourth quarter, which I also am frustrated by. Well, but the fourth but, quarter, the fourth quarter, it was a very specific circumstance yeah, where we fine. had already lost the game. Within and we the first three quarters, the things that bothered me, yeah, the things that bothered me from Baker were holding on to the ball way too long. 
the happy feet that you talked about on multiple occasions, one of which resulted in a third down that we didn't convert when he tried to throw to Hilliard. There wasn't pressure, and he like didn't have a base set and just got the ball out there, and it was three yards short. It that should have been his, an easy completion. That was his worst non-intercepted throw of the day. It was horrible. It was horrible. Absolutely. But, but that was there fault. were other plays that weren't passed that he was really bad on because he held onto the ball and didn't make good decisions and wasn't moving well in the pocket at all like we're used to seeing. And he had a bad day. Like, that's okay. That's going to happen. But I'm calling it like I see it, and he didn't play very well yesterday. Some of it might have been coaching, putting him in bad spots. Well, I don't know. Well, and that's what I want to get to, and I know Mark had mentioned it too. This offense did not look like the offense that we saw for the last eight weeks last year. We, yeah. were, we were getting the ball quick, short. We were running in uh, 13 personnel a lot of the time, the last final games. We were in 11 personnel most of the time this game, like 96% of the game. Might have something to do with injury. Both Demetrius Harris and David Njoku missed small stretches of this game, getting oh, nicked yeah. up. My, I'm, I'm curious because our offense was so potent and effective throughout the end of last season where Freddie Kitchens was calling all the plays and he's still calling the plays. I wonder how much Todd Munkin has an influence in how Freddie is viewing this offense because this offensive scheme was not nearly as effective as we were last year, not even close. And Todd, we all know what Todd Munkin likes to do. He likes to throw the ball downfield. He likes to get big chunk yardage. And that is his main focus. I just wonder if Freddie is being negatively influenced by Todd Munkin and he's not going with his gut and we're making little tweaks here and there. We should be throwing the ball in quick slants to OBJ and Jarvis as much as possible, right? Because that's what Baker does well. He gets the ball out. He gets the ball out quick. That's what he was doing last year was being decisive and being confident. That's not what I saw from Baker this, this game. He was taking too long to throw the ball. He was terrified. I don't know if the routes were developing late. I didn't rewatch the game. I know you guys did. But were all the routes way midfield, downfield, too far? There weren't like, enough underneath routes. I mean, I'm waiting for the all 22 to yeah, come out. Yeah, it's so hard to see. It'll be yeah. really interesting to watch. Um, but I, I do think we're, we're looking to push the ball downfield more, which takes longer, right? Um, so I think that's going to be tough to do at times with an offensive line that you don't trust to pass protect. I do know in the it first... It is funny we didn't shift to more of a running-focused like focused offense whenever those offensive linemen went down. Yeah, you would think we would, and I think we would have. So when we, when we got to that 15-13 to 13 with the third quarter, I think we were in a really sweet spot. And it's such a freaking fluke that that screen pass went for 75 yards and a touchdown because the... Like, our defense was dominating in the possessions leading up to that. Tennessee wasn't going anywhere. And then that touchdown changes everything. No, they had a few big plays. I, I want to talk about this. This pisses me off so, so much. That call, the no call on that screen pass, I think without a doubt, 100%, especially when you view it, what, what you're calling is a no-call is the block on Christian Kirksey. Yes, the out, block on Christian there, Kirksey yeah. outside their left tackle, uh, whatever his name is, um, got out there, and he completely – he engaged in the block from the front and then twisted around, and he had his left arm around him, and he tackled him to the ground. I think 100%, 10 times out of 10, that is a hold. If a, a left tackle does that to a defensive end coming around the corner, that gets called a hold. And that was such a pivotal – play in the game 
where we had just scored a touchdown to bring it to 15-13 to 13 in the third quarter, and then all of the air got deflated out of our entire team. It was like we had no will to live after that. And when you think about that play, and you also think about the Greg Robinson personal foul that was a blindside block, 15-yard penalty, which I've never even heard of before. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. He blocked him straight from the front. So this is a new rule. I, I, it just, it's just infuriating to me, looking at those two plays next to each other. If that play goes different and that gets called a hold against the Titans, it's, we're, we're in a com- possibly in a completely different game. Yeah, so in the moment I was frustrated, and I am frustrated that we got called for a blindside block there, and they, their play was clean and, and allowed to proceed. Rewatching it, I don't think either of them should have been called. However, this year the NFL is making an emphasis on getting rid of the blindside block, and that is defined. A blindside block. A blindside block has been defined for the first time this year as, as being completely illegal as um, a, a block when a player is moving toward or parallel to his own end line and makes contact with his opponent with his helmet, forearm, or shoulder. That is very vast and very broad, and it is what Greg Robinson did. So following the letter of this law, it was applied correctly. It is stupid. I think that it would apply to pulling guards making blocks on like, because it edge basically rushers. means that your like face has to be facing towards your end zone Where you're trying when you to make go. a block exactly yeah and so many times that is not the case with the complex blocking schemes but potentially a fullback could well and blindside block. and like it's say like blindside a, on a wide nine like a, someone's running a wide nine like format and somebody's rushing way out wide come around and you yeah. just naturally like come around and the guy's coming to get your quarterback from the backside yeah. you're not allowed to block him yeah it's like a left tackle you gotta would, turn the other way be able to, like this. yeah wouldn't <laughs> be able to engage a wide nine rusher in, in, unless he stays in, and it, it's just like the verbiage that the nfl has adopted to say that this is illegal was applied correctly by the referees but it's stupid Parallel to your line of scrimmage, you can't block somebody. Correct. It's absurd. This this was not a blindside block. The the, the we def- all know the defender did not get taken completely unaware. Like yes. he he knew that, guy that was there com- was a Greg blocker coming, coming. You know, and it's just a, a poor application of or a proper application of a really really poor rule. It, uh, there's not a situation where a wide receiver screen happens where a tackle is pulling out to make that block where you that wouldn't probably happen yeah like a slip screen yeah is gonna be impossible because you can't have a wide receiver like running inside down. and have yeah no it's absolutely crazy and i i think we might have been the victim of it just being a big guy and a little guy and so it like <laughs> like brought it to mind you know that guy's too big to block that other guy yeah <laughs> That's not fair. So, and I will say, I will say about the Kirksey block, um, the blocker engaged Kirksey bef- and then Kirksey tried to turn. I felt like Kirksey slipped and it like made the whole thing a whole mess. Live, I thought it was a hold. I think they still could have called it a hold because it was ugly and it was a mess and everything. If I was a Browns fan, I think I would be on the other side and be like, no, the 
a Titans fan. Yeah. For, for the sake of the NFL, I don't want that to be called a hold. Like, no, no. I, I watched the pursuit on that play actually like four times in like slow motion. Miles Garrett ran step for step with Derrick Henry all the way down the field. Morgan Burnett lost a step when he was running after Derrick Henry down the field. He, I think he slowed up. There was actually, if Morgan Burnett had actually dove at Henry's feet when he like made his direct like angle approach, he could have stopped him. But he decided to try to turn the corner to get him, and that was enough to slow him down that he like didn't have a chance. Henry's surprisingly fast. Like he doesn't look like he's moving fast, but straight line. One, once he gets going, he can straight line. He's he surprisingly move. fast. Yeah. He's one of the least agile people I've ever seen. Have you ever seen him do the like ladder drills? It's absurd that that man is a professional athlete. And then you I'm, watch like Aaron Donald. I'm, I'm 100% sure I could do a ladder drill faster than Derek Henry. That sounds absurd. And all you listeners are like, who is this like schmuck who's just sitting on a podcast that thinks he could do a ladder drill faster Fair. than Derek Henry? Look up Derek Henry doing a ladder drill and you will 100% agree with me. I don't care who you are. You can probably do it faster than him too. It is absurd. Absurd. I uh, I want to talk about a, co- a couple of these other penalties. Did you guys see um, the Devereaux Lawrence penalty? Did you hear what he said after the game about the penalty? What happened? It was a it was a personal foul on sportsmanlike conduct to the ref. <laughs> he said something to the ref. Do you see what yeah. Devereaux said about it? Basically, Devereaux's account of what happened was that the ref said, "Watch where the f you're going," and then Devereaux responded, "F you," straight up. If if the ref drops an f bomb on you. Shouldn't you be allowed to drop an f bomb right back? That's my thought. I I just think I do think it's a double standard. It's a pretty clear thing. You can't drop an f bomb when you're talking to a ref, but it's pretty ludicrous that the ref <laughs> the ref is, to is allowed to, s- to you. yeah say that to you. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> also, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think about like how There's did no this way come that's up? What happened? Do you think that's actually what happened? Oh yes. Oh, I absolutely believe it. Really? For I th- sure. I think crap like this probably happens all the time. Where the yeah. where the refs abuse of power. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what was the context for this? Like, why why was the ref? Why did the ref say that? It was on a penalty. It was on. Oh shoot, I don't remember. Was he like running off the field and he like accidentally like ran into the ref or was like. I don't even remember what the situation was where the ref would say, watch where you're going. Yeah, I don't remember either. I can't find the answer to that quickly either. <laughs> I have I have no idea, but I think that's hilarious. I actually... I'm, I, I'm totally take, Team Devereaux here. I would take one of those penalties every week. Devereaux's got to stand up for himself there. <laughs> that's a completely reasonable thing to say in that situation. Um, all right. Um, also, other penalty that I want to talk about. We haven't talked about it yet. Uh, we did talk about whenever Baker escaped. He was he was on fire. How does that get called so quick? What in, you, in the grasp? In in the grasp. Yeah. It's it's such crap because then the next play Baker gets sacked and they don't blow the whistle early for in the grasp. And I think it's probably a reaction because they realized they blew it too early the play before. But he was not in the grasp. Like the player had him by one hand on his jersey and the player was whipping around. Yeah. Like, that is not a situation where you're worried about the quarterback getting injured, just getting destroyed, right? And, like, we cannot be in a situation where our referees are being reactionary to what's happening. In yeah, because you're, you're limiting the impact on the field. Yeah. You're, you're limiting their ability to, to actually play the game. And as we've seen, that's where some of the most exciting plays happen. When quarterback breaks, breaks out of a tackle – 
breaks out of the tackle box, you know, and is on the run and makes a throw. And Baker's always making those throws when he's running to the sideline. Another yeah, Jarvis absolutely. is at the sideline. That's too. ludicrous. I mean, in in my mind, that is one of the the more egregious calls that was made on the field. It wasn't a penalty, but there was it just a lot of calls. Limited the Browns. There was just a lot of calls in this game that I don't think were necessarily like like you could understand why they were called, but they tilted in the Titans' favor over and over again. And that's what was frustrating to me. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't really that it's, any of them were like, like okay, over the top egregious. It, it was just the accumulation of some of the marginal ones that all tipped in the Titans' favor versus our favor. Well, I think I've said it on the podcast before. I think this is a result of Bottlegate. <laughs> you don't think these these referees are in some tight knit alliance where as soon as a new referee gets brought into the like fold, seventeen years later or yeah, something, they say remember new, Bottlegate. Hey, watch this video of. <laughs> One of the patriarchs of our referee fraternity getting pelted in the head with glass bottles. Do you know who did that? Do you know who did that to us, to me and you? That was the Cleveland Browns fans. We will never let them always remember. Succeed. Always remember what the Browns did to us. <laughs> and every single ref, they'd probably do some chant before the game, like never forget the Browns, never forget Bottlegate. <laughs> Bottlegate on three. One, One two, three, three. Bottlegate. <laughs> And that's and to be that, honest, I would I would understand that. I mean, I'd be pissed too. I would pass that on down through generations. That was bad. I mean, we were wrong. We were absolutely wrong. There's no arguing that. Um, Did you actually see some of the Browns fans um, poured some beer on beer Malcolm on, Butler? I thought it was Logan Ryan. Maybe it was Logan Ryan. It was Logan Ryan and Logan Ryan was pissed about it. He was like, Rightfully "Yeah, you, so. can, you can just pour beer he on did. me because I'm an athlete." And it's like you jumped into the stands. Yeah. Like, like you you deserve not to have beer poured on you, like, when you're playing football. As any human being. Does. But, like, <laughs> don't jump into the road stands, whether there's a Titans fan sitting there or not. Yeah. And not expect people to be, like, not receptive to you being there. Nothing good is going to happen to you when you jump into the road stands. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah, that's user error. It's like, come on. Like, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'd be pissed if beer got poured on me, too, but... Not, like, in that, not in that situation. I think I would recognize that I was wrong. <laughs> like, go give those fans a high five instead of jumping into their lap. Yeah, for sure. All right, one of the other things I want to talk about about this game is there was a significant amount of injuries. Um, so Baker clearly got banged up there, and I don't know if there's anything wrong with his shoulder, but after that safety, it looked like his arm was just hanging there limp. Um, his arm got grabbed as he was going for the follow-through. It was a really scary moment, but then after the game, it seemed like he got x-rayed and got cleared all the way and there was some bruise on his hand i don't know if that had anything to do with his poor throws throughout the game but i wanted i don't know man he wasn't like, on like something happened there's no doubt in my mind like that ob that throw when he was trying to go to obj and it got picked by kevin byard the, the first, first interception pick, yeah. like it wasn't even close like i can't even figure how it could have been a miscommunication between him and obj with where the ball got placed and baker's so accurate it was so clear to me that something was off. And, like, it, I don't know if it was that wrist or something else that they're not telling us, but... I'm, I'm, I'm still worried about his, his shoulder and whatnot. The way, that, the way that he got grabbed by Cam, Cam Wake, Wake and the way as he went to the ground, his, his arm just stayed stiff. Limp. And then he walked off the field, and you could tell he was favoring it at the shoulder. The, 
you can tell when somebody's got a wrist. They've got their elbow up. They're holding their wrist. This was like a straight arm. I'm not convinced that he's not dealing with a shoulder injury still, that they're trying not to make a Bottling big deal out, out of him. Because yeah. even, even if you watch his like, press conference, his right shoulder, the potentially injured one, is sitting significantly lower hmm. than, than his left shoulder at his postgame presser. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but to me, that's my biggest concern coming out of this game. I, I could, couldn't give a rat's ass what the final score was. Like, a loss is a loss. It got run up in the third quarter when we were trying to come back. The it got out of hand. Fourth, yeah. fourth quarter, whatever. I'm worried about Baker's shoulder yeah. long-term, and if he's got something he's dealing with for the next four, five, six weeks of the whole season, what does that do? Well, we're, we're absolutely screwed. Barrett <laughs> Gilbert, I trust. No, Drew Stanton's our backup and will remain our backup. So also, after Greg Robinson got kicked out for idiotically kicking another player directly in the face, it was athletic. It was, it was pretty impressive. Did he you missed hear the first time, today? and then he, Did you hear what he said today? got him right in the face. He didn't mean time. to. He was trying to get up. Did you hear what he said today? He no. said it was unintentional. <laughs> Although, Kenny Vaccaro also said that he, like, thought it was funny and didn't want him to get like kicked out of the game. Okay, if you, and I so after I heard Greg Robinson say that, I specific I I watched I rewatched There's the no game. There's no way after it's unintentional. That. But when you watch it live, when you watch it live in real speed, it you can make more of a case that it's unintentional cuz you see him like lunging like it was more of like a reaction and less of a like intentional kick. Do you know I'm, what I mean? I'm gonna like, spot I, my target and like, like I yeah like I he wasn't like going at his face. He was more like frustrated that he got pushed down and was like going back the other direction and he hit his face. Whereas it looks like he goes with his left leg misses and then his right leg when you watch it in slow motion. But live it just kind of looks like he's like frustrated and is like ugh, and that's what happens. I was surprised. I was like laughing at Greg Robinson's face when he said it was unintentional from what I saw live. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, maybe, maybe it was. Okay, whatever. I'm not going to lie. I'm not buying it. I, I don't care either way. I, I, I mean, mean, you're an it, it looks like a pretty deliberate, like straight leg, like out right to his face. If, if it was intentional, he's an absolute athlete and he has complete control of his entire body and ridiculous accuracy. If it was unintentional, that's a really bum rap. Um, but then there was also Rashard Higgins went out with injury. Um, it would be an absolute bummer to not have him for the next couple games. I don't think he played until... in the entire second half. Yeah. Yeah, that and with Antonio Callaway Damian out. Ratley. Um, have you guys heard any news about what's the scoop with Higgins? Fre- in Freddie's press conference today, he said that they were going for more tests and they're, they're not sure Looks like what, a knee. what the deal is. He it's got, a knee like, injury. Somebody came in behind him and kind of got rolled up. Gotcha. And then the, the whole reason I brought up um, – the Robinson kick in the face is because Lamb came in and he got injured four plays after. It seems like he got rolled up on two, and that seems like a pretty significant injury. That that one looks like it could be bad. I mean, and they ruled him out from coming back pretty quickly. Um, Higgins was questionable to return, and Lamb was out. pretty swiftly yeah. not returning. Um, so that's concerning to me because of the depth on our offensive line. He's the only – Notable tackle we have. Back, yeah, and I felt okay with him guys. as our like you know our swing tackle as our swing guy. So 
we're going to have to go out and figure out that position, what, what our third tackle on the roster is going to be. Because I don't think you can bank on not having to use another offensive lineman playing tackle at some point during the year. I mean, we don't have a backup tackle right now. We don't even have one on the practice squad. No. So we're going to have to go out in the free market and find a guy. Brad Seaton's on the active roster for the Bucks, so he's no longer available. We worked I mean, out a, a guy who played for the Bears, but it looks like he's more of an interior guy. I think he played tackle in college. Austin Corbett. Austin Corbett could be redeem himself. Joel Batonio. But, but totally redeem yourself. And, and that could be an option long I mean, term. We just need to start planning for that. Play. You know? He'd do better just right now. In the middle of the game yesterday, he would have done better. I would have rather kept Hubbard at right tackle. Hubbard was such a freaking joke. So I actually think McC- or McCray did did okay. He got beat a couple times. McCray had some right false side. starts and stuff. Um, like he was clearly like a little out of sorts. Hubbard's terrible. Hubbard sucks balls. Hubbard got <laughs> dominated by Cameron Wake. Hubbard's over terrible. and over and over again Hubbard? on both sides of the line. Hubbard was Cam Wake's bitch this whole game. <laughs> <laughs> and Cam oh, Wake's like man. forty years old. Oh. I saw someone say today he's the Frank Gore of defensive ends. <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> is. But even better, honestly. So, man. Yeah. Yeah, so that's m- order of concern for these injuries is Baker's shoulder. It looks like everything's okay based on what we've been told. We'll see. Higgins' knee and then Lamb. Obviously, yep. and who are who are I mean, our the Higgins, if Higgins is out for some games, it really stinks. I mean, this stretch of the season is yeah. like the hard stretch of our season. Yeah, and so and we already are without Callaway for these first four games. To not have Higgins even for another game or two, if that's all that it is, would be real rough. Because like we play the Jets, then we play the Rams. Like this is who's who a do we real have week thing. four. We've got a tough game then too. Week four is Baltimore. Yes, Baltimore. Ooh, all right. I mean, so we're we're gonna have to play. Good gracious! Call up Willis. <sighs> got to win some games. Yeah, we absolutely. Taewon Taylor, step but up. We've we've always said that this first stretch of games is gonna be really really brutal. Um, we got Baltimore. So the AFC North. Um, the Ravens are at the top of the AFC North right now. They won this week, and everyone else lost. We lost by thirty. The Steelers lost by thirty. And the Bengals only lost by one to the, the Seahawks. And the Ravens won by 50. <laughs> and the Ravens won by an absolutely absurd amount to a high school JV team. Um, so uh, what's, what are your predictions about this AFC North? What do you take from these first games? You obviously don't want to make too strong of a reaction about week one, hopefully, that this isn't the truth of our entire season. But Yeah, I'm, nev- I'm never going to re- overreact to week one. Like, I don't. I'm not that concerned about the Browns, actually. I think a lot of the, the issues are not systemic and will not happen again. Um, I don't think Greg Robinson's going to get thrown out of every game, for example. It's tough to know because the Steelers played the Patriots, who are the defending Super Bowl champions and have just dominated the last two decades, right? So Steelers could be the second-best team in the league and still get dominated 30 30- three to three, you know? Um, and it's also tough to know about the Ravens because they played the Miami Dolphins. Who, who is unanimously the worst team in the they're, league. They're probably the worst. 
almost definitely the worst team in the league this year. It's been known that that roster's terrible. They're not really in a position to win <laughs> football games. They got know? players asking, actively asking to be traded. Asking for trades, <laughs> which is like only <laughs> worse than... It's not quite as bad as Vontae Davis quitting at halftime, retiring at halftime week one of last year, but it's like close, right? You get blown out week one and you call your agent for a trade. Um, so it's tough to know for both of those teams. I, the, pay, or the Steelers looked really bad last night. Their offense looked anemic. Like without Antonio Brown, they have Juju, who's, who's fine. Um, he was struggling to get open on Stephon Gilmore. Um, they weren't running the ball great. Part of that was they were behind. They, they didn't look great, but it's hard to know against the Steelers. Um, like I said, the Ravens, hard to know how good they actually are because they're playing the Dolphins. Um, the Bengals hung in there with the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, though. I mean, the Ravens and the Bengals are the teams to beat in the AFC North. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, but the Seahawks ran the ball like 45 times, like never really at risk of losing that game, even though it was a one-point game. Um, a lot of people are criticizing the Seahawks' play calling because in this era where everybody's throwing the ball and you have to put up points, they only threw it 20 times and ran the ball 45 times and only beat the Bengals, who are one of the worst teams in the league, by one point. So I, I don't know what to make of these teams. I think the Bengals showed well yesterday, but I'm still not super concerned about them somehow surprising everybody and being a force in this division. Yeah, probably so. But I do think that that was a better than expected um, performance from Cincinnati. And just like we are saying don't overreact to the Browns, let's not overreact to the Ravens and what's going on. Like like you said, Matthew, they were playing the Dolphins. And let's give it another week, and then we'll see how good this offense really is. If they've got to come from behind, like are they able to actually execute – and do what they need to do. We'll see when they play a real NFL team. I'm I'm most impressed by, honestly, the Bengals. The fact that they went toe-to-toe with the Seahawks, who a lot of people are saying have a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. Granted, people said the same thing about the Browns as week one. You never really know. But the fact that the, Raven, or the Bengals only lost by one, I think, is um, pretty impressive. Um, all right, so we are going to look forward to the Jets game. We're going to be playing the Jets on Monday Night Football this upcoming week. Um, very exciting. Last time we played the Jets is the best Browns memory that I have in recent history, Baker Mayfield's debut. So I decided to call one of my good friends, James Hunt, who is a Jets fan. So, James, welcome to the pod. I got a question for you. Um, sure. Me, as a Cleveland Browns fan, you know, I know a moderate amount about the Jets, but I don't know really what to expect going into week one. We played y'all last year, um, and we remember what happened. Do you remember what happened last year? Too well. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was an expensive m- night for me. <laughs> How do you mean? Uh, I have a Venmo invoice to you for $100, like, within <laughs> five minutes of that game, I think. I do remember that. You questioned me on. You texted me. You're like, did you even pay up on that? And I was like, uh, like right away, because all I could think about, as soon as Baker Mayfield came into the game, I was like, (laughs) oh my god. There's literally a tweet on my feed that says, I am genuinely so afraid of Baker Mayfield. I tweeted like as soon as he entered that game, and then within an hour and a half, I was then mowing you a hundred dollars. And hey, you wanna? Or did you see how the Browns played this week? Yeah, Yeah. it's a no from me, dog. 
I have already bet so much money uh, on this Jets team. And I already <laughs> feel so bad about all of those bets that I'm just too scared. That is fair. That is fair. Um, okay, so what what should the Browns be scared of of this Jets team going into this game? If you can uh, craft a narrative where the Jets beat the Browns, how do they do it? I think it's going to start with Greg Williams being super aggressive with his blitzes. Quinn Williams might be hurt. He was in a boot this morning. But I think it's going to be like just getting interior pressure on Baker to give him the happy feet like you said. And then I hope Adam Gase is just so pissed off and just is ripping the ball to Robbie Anderson downfield like the whole game. Because I think we have to be super aggressive, try to get Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield more. Um, but I think it's more about slowing your offense down and just trying to get some points. All right, so uh, straight up one-to-one trade right now. Baker Mayfield for Sam Darnold. You pulling that trigger? <sighs> no. No. Really? I, I, I'm i also surprised by my saying that, but, like, I know Baker's, like, got the, the talk and Baker's got, like, the swagger and all of that, but, like, he, I saw like such an old head saying this, but, like, his comment about, like, the Giants, and, like, he said things about, like, Giants fans, and at a certain point, like, not that I don't want him to be doing that, but Sam Darnold is, like, so that. Sam Darnold is to... a manila envelope in your yes. teacher's desk. He's the most boring thing I've ever seen. I completely agree with that, but at the same time, like, so is Bill Belichick, and so is Tom Brady, and no. like, yeah, he's, he's he's a very handsome manila envelope, Tom Brady. But <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like, you're not like I don't know. Give us a prediction for the game. What do you think happens? Okay. Um, so I think it's a close game. I think it's all right. Final score. I'm going to say 17, 24 jets, 17, 24 um, jets. Okay. But that is, I don't know what to believe at this point, Mark. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I was so very lost. surprised by the I'm score so of the Browns lost. game this week. So I believe that that was, that was unexpected. I mean, so Quick counter. Do you think the Titans are that good, or do you think the Browns just got like a little too big for their britches? I don't think it's that we got too big for our britches. I think that we're ridiculously undisciplined, which was obvious. And I think that mm-hmm. the Titans are very, very good. I really do yes. think they are. They were completely competent all last year. They went toe-to-toe with every single person that they played. And um, I think Vrabel's a really, really good coach. Um, I don't think they're flashy. I don't think they're showy. But I think their defensive line was phenomenal. I think mm-hmm. their secondary played really, really well. I think oh, their yeah. defense is something to be afraid of. Um, I think Marcus isn't all that great because um, he's, trying, he to this po- he's trying to be this pocket well. passer, but uh, honestly, he would serve the Titans better if he just got out of the pocket and scrambled more. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, so I think the Titans are much, and they deserve far more praise than they're getting. Um, and I think there's a chance that they're a really good team. Fair but I, I also, right. I'm not, I think we can turn it around. Anyway. Thanks so much, James. I'll let you get back to your Monday Night Football game. Thanks for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. I will watch two good teams play football. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later, James. See you, buddy. I forgot about that nice, smooth $100 I got from James in a Venmo. 
payment right after that game. That was the most excited I've ever been after a Browns game was after that Jets game last year. Matthew, me and you were just sitting here celebrating. We recorded a podcast right afterwards. I believe we were just passing a bottle of bourbon back and forth recording a podcast. I had to celebrate somehow, and that seemed fitting. Um, And then I got $100 from James. It was just a great day, an absolute great day. I'm hoping that this week after the Jets game, I can feel uh, at least a similar kind of way. Um, nothing will, nothing will top that. But uh, so this this Jets game coming up, what do you guys think? Or is there what? What do you want to see different? What do you think needs to happen? What's the best case and worst case scenario? Uh, I did actually watch some of the Jets Bills game, and it actually made me feel better with how ugly the Browns game was because it was an awful, awful looking game. Penalties left and right, fumbles left and right. Interceptions, the Jets benefited significantly in the first half from some Josh Allen like fumbles and turnovers, some of which weren't even his fault entirely. Uh, but I think in the first half alone, there was two fumbles lost that the Jets recovered and two interceptions, and they still were only up 6-0. to zero. Oof. So if that doesn't tell you something, I mean, and the Bills' defense is pretty solid, was pretty stout. But there wasn't any, like, one position group, or there was nothing that, like, really stood out as something for us to be concerned about with the Jets at all. Um, So I think, honestly, I'm just looking at the Browns to see if we can shore up all these mistakes and stuff that we made and see if we can put a better game plan into place that maximizes what we've got. The fact that we have a weaker offensive line, like, let's plan around that. I think that's what Freddie did last year. And I'm not so sure we did that in week one. I want to see how we course correct and see how it goes. Was Freddie overwhelmed in week one? We didn't really hit on that all that much. But like, I think that's a legitimate possibility that he wasn't all the way there as a play caller because of everything else that was going on. And does us another week of being in that spot help out and we're in better shape? I think there's a million ways you can like look at it. We just need to play to the level that we're capable of playing and I think we'll be okay and we'll be competitive but it's a Monday night football game on the road like this is not an easy game no matter how you slice it yeah I mean I'm looking for two things on offense I'm just looking for our offensive line not to shoot themselves in the foot but whether it be false starts or holding penalties I mean I'm not expecting them to be a top unit in the league but we, we need them to, to not take away from our team. You know, um, early in the game, we were keeping a tight end and or a running back in into block, and it was rather effective on that first drive. Uh, we were sending three guys out in routes often. It would be a David Njoku, kind of a, a block for a two count, and then kind of curl out for a, um, a safety dump off. I like sticking to that. It's hard to do that when you're, when you're down. So I want to get out to a quick lead. Then I want this defense to live up to the talent that it has. I mean, we had five sacks, but it felt like a quiet five sacks. Um, We were fairly controlled the game, but we gave up these huge plays. We need the secondary to come up up big and live up to the talent that they have. And so that's what I'm looking for is kind of the Jets don't have a ton of weapons through the air. I mean, you've got Robbie Anderson. You've got Jameson Crowder. I'm not terribly scared of either of those players. So, like, let's lock them down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Their tight end, Chris Hernan's out for the first four games, so he's not going to be out there. 
Um, we let AJ Brown make way too many plays. Like, don't let Quincy Anunwa make those plays. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little bit scared of Le'Veon Bell and seeing um, how effective this screen game that seems like the Titans were being able to pick us apart in all sorts of ways and getting these big chunk plays. Le'Veon Bell is capable of getting big chunk plays, whether he breaks free. I, I was not impressed with our ability to tackle in this past week, and so if we carry that forward, it seemed like we could Really? Tack- I thought we were fine. I'm not... Really? Yeah. I mean, I feel like... Our secondary struggled our, in it a bit. We could not take people down at the point of contact. They regularly... Brown got regularly 10 more yards. I think our front, our front seven was fine tackling. It was our secondary corners and safety. That yes, absolutely. Not okay. exactly and, aggressive. And I think if uh, Le'Veon Bell gets into the backfield, he'll be able to shake and bake and get huge chunk yardage plays, and I'm a little bit worried about that. Um. I'm not particularly concerned about Sam Darnold. I'm not particularly concerned about the Jets as a whole. Um, I'm thinking that hopefully we'll be able to go into this game and be able to execute better. We than need we a have good. We need to we get out to like a lead. Both of these, we did get out to a lead in this last game. We had, but we, we haven't talked to, about. We, we need we've to been keep, too negative. We need that to first drive putting, was freaking killer. Yeah. We never talked about how phenomenal that first drive was, and we haven't even mentioned Odell Beckham's name on our entire podcast so far. But but the rest of the drives were were put off by penalties. Right, like penalties and then there were a few bad throws but we need to be able to live with the bad throws like we can't expect baker to be perfect while everybody else is like effing up like we can't have 18 penalties for 182 yards it puts you in second and 20 way too often you can't come back from that so we need to we need to keep drops we have the ability to overcome some penalties we can't overcome 182 yards of penalties no team should be expected to do that if we have, if we stay disciplined, if we don't hold, don't jump off sides, I think we're going to be okay. No, we we absolutely cannot put ourselves in the situation that we put ourselves in over and over again. The Dan Orlovsky tweet: um, the Browns had 19 first down snaps on on Sunday. 15 of them resulted in a first and 10 plus or a second and 10 plus because of a penalty. Only four did not have a penalty on first down. Like That's you cannot ridiculous. You cannot win football games that way. You absolutely can't. Over and over, Baker was in terrible positions. Only four first downs did we not put ourselves in that position. So that's what I'm looking for in this game, is if we can just clean that up. I mean, on the the first drive, we didn't have that, and we drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. Yeah. Because we could run our offense. We did actually have one penalty on that that put us back, and we just... Yeah, it was the Greg Robinson. Immediately converted. So, so that's that's what I'm looking for. All right, let's I pick some lines. Win. I think we win the game if we if we sure that up. If we don't have, we're certainly a better team. If we only average the league worst average, if we just have eight penalties, I think we'll win the game. Um, Michael wants to pick lines. What you got for? Well, us, I'm not Michael? really all that eager to talk about our performance from last week, to be honest, because I uh, went over. I'm the only one of us that went over. None of us really have much to brag about because each of you only won one game. I guess that's what happens when you pick the Browns and they get trounced by the Titans. But um, heading into this week, uh, we got some ground to make up. And Thursday night is Tampa at Carolina. Currently, Vegas is giving the Panthers six and a half points. It's pretty stout. In-division game. Thursday night, I'll let Mark pick the first one here. 
Um, I'm going to go with Carolina. I, I like the way that they played this last week. Christian McCaffrey went absolutely off. Um, Cam Newton didn't have a particularly great game. They, they came up short, I believe. Um, but I like Carolina's defense. Um, I like Carolina as an overall team, and I think Cam Newton is going to uh, sure it up this week, and I don't think Tampa Bay is all that great. So I'm going to go with Carolina plus the points. They're going to win by more than a touchdown. Meh. I'm going to do the same. If if Tampa Bay gave up 31 to to San Francisco or 34, whatever 31. it was, um, they're certainly going to give that up to, to Carolina. Um, Carolina was playing the Rams. Tampa was playing San Francisco. I, Carolina's at home. I've got to go Carolina. It's a sweep. I picked Carolina, too. Six and a half points is actually a decent it's number. It's a decent line. I just don't believe in Jameis Winston in Tampa. He looked bad. Looked bad. It's a one-week That thing. offensive line is the bad. Secondary, He's not good. The secondary in Carolina isn't the best. That's the only thing I was like kind of thinking about and looking at. But it just but looked it, bad. But it's not good in San Francisco either. Like and it's Richard a home Sherman's game for fine. Carolina. Like That's kind of what swung it back in the Panthers' favor for me. So I'm, I'm with you. Carolina for me as well. All right, so Philly at Atlanta is the Sunday evening game. And I think this is the first in the history of the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. The line is currently a pick 'em. Eagles at Falcons. I'll pick it first. I have no reason after the performance of the Atlanta Falcons this past weekend, which by the way, their kicker didn't get one attempt. Did you notice that? Yeah, Matt they, Bryant didn't even make They had some late field. they had some late touchdowns, so they went for two on both of them. They failed both two-point conversions. Matt Bryant didn't even attempt an extra point or a field goal. Hilarious. Sorry, sorry, fantasy owners. I, I played someone in fantasy <laughs> that had Matt Bryant as their kicker and the Browns' defense as their defense, and they got oh, fat zeros in both of those sections. I guess it's better than. Do you negative. get negative? I don't know defense? if you can get negative on defense. I've been in leagues where you can. Um, in I'm, that, I'm in, also in a league where our defense scoring is so jacked up that the Browns still scored eight points. Is it just like really high scoring? We played with a defensive scoring just to make it a like reasonable, where it's not just about points. Yeah, where yeah. it's not just about points given up, but it's about like your actual performance. Yardage. Because there's there's I'm situations where it's like somebody returns a kick and it's like who cares or it's a pick six and it's like yeah. why is this knocking the defense? Like the defense <laughs> didn't do anything. Yeah. So it's like very low weighted on points given up and more. Like yardage. Earn it on I'm in one that doesn't have anything to stuff. do with points. It's yeah. all about like first downs yeah like allowed negative plays like you get points for negative plays like tackles behind the line of scrimmage and stuff like it's pretty great i like it um all right so philly at atlanta i've got the eagles there's no question in my mind it's a straight pick them who's going to win this game philadelphia at atlanta i've got the eagles they're the most talented roster in the nfl they started a little bit slow but came around by the end of the game and showed who they were i'm good with it matthew so i'm Actually, Atlanta is a different team at home in that dome. On, I mean, I know they were blind in a dome in Minnesota on the road, but I, I like Atlanta a lot. I think their roster is good. They've got talent on offense. They're healthy again on defense. I think they're going to figure it out coming back. I'll take Atlanta. All right. Mark Kuhn. The Redskins jumped out to that early lead. They were leading the Eagles 17-0. to and the Eagles climbed their way all the way back, won 32-27. Deshaun Jackson 
looked great in this game. He is super happy to be wearing this Eagles jersey again, and he is producing. Um, Deshaun, Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, I, I just think the Eagles are a better team overall. I think they're better coached um, in, a, in a straight up who's going to win this game. After what I saw out of Atlanta last week, I, I'm just going to have to go with the Eagles. And that brings us to the Browns game. We got to wait all the way until Monday night, friends. Um, Sunday afternoon is reserved for watching everyone else. Sunday night, reserved for watching everyone else. And then this time, we're recording on Monday night. Next week, we'll be watching the Browns live in New York against the Jets. The Browns are currently still favored by two and a half, which should give us some hope, all of us Browns fans. The Vegas experts are seeing through the crap and the mirage of what happened in this game, and they're still favoring us by two and a half points, even though we're on the road in New York. Mark, what's your pick? Michael, you said it last week on the podcast. No matter what happens in week one, we cannot overreact. And we haven't mentioned that this week. I feel like you're really overreacting to Baker, but that's okay. I think no. I'm just calling Baker what I saw in this game. I'm not saying it's. I did not call him a quitter. <laughs> I'm just he, kidding. He said he didn't care. I said it looked like he didn't care. I'm gonna say that I'm not gonna overreact to Week One. If I was picking this game before what I just saw, the atrocity that happened on Sunday, I would definitely give us the edge by more than a field goal. And I'm gonna stick with that. I think the Browns win by more than a field goal. I think that we come out fired up but also in control because we realized that that was the problem this week i think that we correct these wrongs that we don't have nearly as many penalties and we operate more similarly to our first drive than the rest of the game matthew i don't think this jets team is very good i don't think adam gase is a good head coach i don't think greg williams is a good defensive coordinator I, I don't love their defense. They've got some good pieces on the defensive front. I, I don't know if C.J. Mosley's playing. He, he left the game with a... Well, that would be big, actually. With a, I didn't realize With a that. groin strain. Um, I'm going the Browns. The Browns are way too talented. And Freddie Kitchens last year after he took over as the play caller and Greg Williams was the head coach, we did not lose back-to-back games. Every time we lost a game, we came back and won against a good opponent. So I'm taking the Browns. I think we're going to respond well. I'm picking the Browns because I want it to happen, but I don't feel great about it. I just I think it's a complete crapshoot to see what we're gonna what, what's going to happen. I really hope they turn around. I think we are the more talented team, but I thought we were the more talented team this last week. Too. The Browns need to win this week because and so did the Jets. I mean, so did the Jets going into next week against the Rams at home. Uh, woof! Right. You do not want to be down 0-2 in that situation. It's a game you really need to get. There is no doubt about it. We need I to hope win this week. That the urgency is present during practice this week. Yeah. This Browns team can can beat the Jets and beat the Rams next week, but if we don't beat the Jets this week, oh, man, we're in trouble. We're probably not beating the Rams. <laughs> then so we're we'll an 0-3 Browns team. Going on the road to Baltimore. Uh, look at us homers picking the Browns again. It's going to be all season. We're going to pick the Browns every game, all season. 
Well, of course we are. I'm not going <laughs> to sit not. here in front of you face-to-face and in front of our listeners and not pick the Browns. Honestly, the, the only week I might not pick the Browns, but depending on the line, I might, is at the road, on the road in Foxborough. Except we're coming off our bye there on the short week, remember? That's right. It's, it's favorable, but still. Uh, <laughs> probably not gonna happen all right i mean they only have antonio brown and josh gordon yeah. and Good julian Edelman the best and... receiving core in the league it's not even close now at this point thanks so much for listening everybody we appreciate you if you like the podcast why don't you tell a friend about it we'd love for you to tell a friend tell them to listen um and be sure to rate us five stars on wherever you get your podcast that really helps other people hear our podcast and see it whenever they make searches uh, thanks so much for listening. Also, follow us on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers. Follow us on Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. And be sure to send us some comments, questions, concerns to our email account, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. You guys are the best. This podcast is brought to you by Venus, shaving ladies' legs since 1925. Go Browns. <laughs>